You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Judah doing all this time when all this was happening? Were they wondering what was going on? Were they, where's God in all this? Were they scared? Why would he make a promise to David only to have all his people wiped out? That doesn't make sense. How could we allow this evil queen to jeopardize the future of the Messiah? But God was still on the throne and his perfect timing would come into play. God always has a plan. Never count God out of anything. He always has a plan. Even in your darkest hour, God has a plan. Do you ever feel alone, completely abandoned, that God hasn't kept his promise to always be with you? Trust him that he will keep that promise. He loves you so much, he'll never leave you. Today in his message, Pastor Dave reminds us, through the struggles of the kings in the Old Testament, that God is trustworthy. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 11, as he continues his message, Different Kingdom, Same Results. What was David's one desire? Psalm 27, verses 4 and 5. David, writing this beautiful song, this beautiful story, says in verse 4, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple, for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me, he shall set me high upon a rock. That's beautiful. What understanding David had about this. He wanted this security in the Lord. He knew that if he was in the Lord's house, if he knew he was close to the Lord, he would have this beautiful and wonderful security. David wished he could live in the tabernacle forever. Live in the tabernacle forever. You know, we always give Peter a hard time about wanting to have three tabernacles at the Mount of Transfiguration. And I say, you go, Peter. I would have wanted the same thing. I would have wanted to stay up there. Let's just stay up here, Lord. This is so great to be here. Come on. You've had experiences with the Lord where you don't want to leave, where you don't want to move. It's like, Lord, this is great. David wanted that. He wanted to be surrounded every day by the presence and the beauty of God. Guess what, folks? We have it so much better than David. We have it so much better than David. We don't have to go to a temple. We don't have to go to a tabernacle. Why? We are the tabernacle of God. God now dwells in us. God dwells in us by his spirit. We're the tabernacle of God. We're the temple of God, it says in Corinthians. We're the temple of God. God is in us. He made it so much easier. We won't misplace him. We can't. Free. He's right there. We're in him. And we get the fellowship with him on a constant, everyday basis. David had this one desire. One thing I want, Lord, is just to be in your house forever. Well, New Testament, God said, I know you can't do it. So guess what? I'm going to come in your house. I'm going to put myself in you. I'm going to tabernacle means to dwell. 
I'm going to tabernacle with you. Emmanuel, God with us. That's great. It's so much better. I love it. I love it. Joash lived in the temple with God for six years. He grew up in the temple of God with six years. Many think that this, this woman, this Jehoshasheba, was with him most of the time, nursing him and getting him getting there. Six years. For six years, the Lord watched over this little boy, kept him safe as his grandmother, Adaliah, was going around killing people. What were the people of Judah doing all this time when all this was happening? Were they wondering what was going on? Were they, where's God in all this? Were they scared? Why would he make a promise to David only to have all his people wiped out? That doesn't make sense. How could we allow this evil queen to jeopardize the future of the Messiah? But God was still on the throne and his perfect timing would come into play. God always has a plan. Never count God out of anything. He always has a plan. Even in your darkest hour, God has a plan. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. He has a plan for this church. He has a plan and he's working it out within us and through us and for us. He's working it. Why? Because he's still on the throne. He's still ruling and reigning, and his time is perfect. And in his gracious providence, the boy grows up and was protected because the hand of the Lord was upon him. God always has faithful servants just ready to move, ready to pounce, ready to go. Remember Elijah in the cave? Remember when Elijah was in the cave? Lord, I'm the only one left. They're all after me, and Jezebel wants to kill me. I don't know what I'm going to do. Buckle up, buttercup. I got 700 others waiting. Come on. What's wrong with you? God always has someone there, always ready to go. It was time to remove Adaliah from the throne. This should be familiar to us. The world is controlled by deceit, by selfish ambition, and by evil. But God is still in control and has in place people like this man we're going to meet, Jehoiada, and ready to do his work. People who are ready to bring forth the word of God. People have been, who have faith in his word. People who have been baptized and emboldened by the Holy Spirit. Ready to bring forth his word. He always has those in place. Now I love the patience of these saints. Six years they waited. Six years they waited. It probably seemed like an eternity. I know for me, six minutes seems like an eternity. When I ask God for something. What's taking you so long? They waited six years, six years. But when God's ready to move, man, you better be ready to go. God doesn't wait around. Let's look at the verses. Then we're going to read verses 4 to 12. In the seventh year, Jehoiada sent and brought the captains of hundreds of the bodyguards and the escorts and brought them into the house of the Lord to him. And he made a covenant with them and took an oath from them in the house of the Lord and showed them the king's son. Then he commanded them, saying, This is what you shall do. One third of you who come on duty on the Sabbath shall be keeping watch over the king's house. One third shall be at the gate of Sir, and one third at the gate behind the escorts. You shall keep the watch of the house, lest it be broken down. The two contingents of you who go off duty on the Sabbath shall keep the watch of the house of the Lord for the king. But you shall surround the king on all sides, every man with his weapons in his hand. And whoever comes within range, let him be put to death. You are to be with the king as he goes out and as he comes in. So the captains of the hundreds did all according to all that Jehoiada, 
the priest commanded. Each of them took his men who were to be on duty on the Sabbath with those who were going off duty on the Sabbath and came to Jehoiada, the priest. And the priest gave the captains and the hunters the spears and shields which had belonged to King David that were in the temple of the Lord. I love that. Then the escort stood, every man with his weapons in his hand, all around the king, from the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple, by the altar of the house. And he brought out the king's son, put the crown on him, and gave him the testimony. And they made him king and anointed him. And they clapped their hands and said, Long live the king. This is cool. This is neat. The book of Second Chronicles parallels this and it repeats a lot of the things that we're reading through now in first and second Samuel and in first and second Kings. But it tells us that the Jehoshasheba was the wife of Jehoiada, the high priest that day. They were husband and wife. God had this husband and wife, this duo, this team already set in place. It says he was a godly man. He was a priest. He was a man who looked after the Lord, looked after the temple. But he was also concerned about restoring the throne of David to the line of David and taking it away from the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. So he gathers all his people together and he makes a covenant with them. A covenant is a pact that they make together in secrecy, and he tells them what's going to happen and what's happening. Do you realize the faith and courage this took for him to do that? To let the cat out of the bag, so to speak? To let the cat out of the bag, to tell them that, hey, I got this kid. He's really the king. Now, any one of them could have been a spy. Any one of them could have reported back to Adaliah. So we don't know. But this took great faith and great courage. He makes a covenant with these guys. He makes a covenant with them before he tells them what's happening. And I love this. And I love what John Corson says about this. Quote, that's the way of the Lord. Before there's revelation, there must be commitment. Too often we want to learn about the Lord to satisfy our curiosity. But the Lord looks for a commitment first. Unquote. I like that. The Lord looks for commitment. He wanted to make sure these guys were committed to him and to David's line. He wanted to make sure that these guys were committed before he gave them the revolution that this little boy right here, he's the king. So they make a covenant together. It's a binding thing. And there was a plan in place. And I love the fact that it just so happened in the temple were these swords and spears that belonged to David. Can you imagine What's going through these guys' mind to be handed the implements of David, to hold them in their hands, and to be able to use them? This must have been incredible. This is like a testimony of God's grace and mercy. It's like, it's like a testimony of what God had accomplished through his servant David. David was the most well-known king and probably still is the most well-known king of all Israel, even today. I mean, you mentioned David. Whoa. I know we all automatically think of Bathsheba and Uriah and all that stuff, but the scripture says David was a man after God's own heart. He was a man, and these guys all knew that. And these spears that he had were incredible. What an encouragement to say, okay, I got all these spears here, and here, you can have this sword, and you can have this spear, and you can have this one. And oh, by the way, they come from our father David. Whoa. Did they drop them and go, whoa? I mean, this must have been, can you imagine that? This is really cool. It's like one of us finding a journal that nobody else has read by Billy Graham or a journal by Moody or, or, you know, another big person of the faith. You know, we found something like that. How, wow. How encouraging would that be? How exciting that would be? It's cool. 
When everyone was in their proper place and according to the plan, Jehoiada brought out the young boy and he presents them as king. Here is your king. Notice what he received. What he received. And he brought out the king's son, put the crown on him, and gave him the testimony. He put the crown on him. Now, my question is, where did he get the crown? I'm not sure. Probably, Athaliah probably was smart enough not to wear the crown. But I don't know where he got the crown. The crown probably was in the temple someplace. But what's the testimony? What's the testimony? It says right there, testimony. And they gave him the testimony. The Torah. Yeah, it was the law. It was the law. Why did they give him the law? Why did they give him the law? Because, if you remember, when we talked about this before, in Deuteronomy 17 and Deuteronomy 31, it says that anyone who is king, now remember, this is long before kings came around, but it says that anyone who is king must be given the law and the king must read it and obey it. So that was the testimony that they gave to this king now. God had kept his promise and put one of David's descent on the throne of Judah. David's line would continue because God is always faithful to the covenant. God kept his covenant to David. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, came from his house, from his lineage. Follow along with the genealogy. And God will keep his promise again when Christ returns for his church. God will always keep his promise. But there was still a problem in the land. There was still a problem in the land. It was the queen mum. The queen mum was still alive. And she was still hanging around. Eh, not for long. Anyhow. Let's read 13 to 21. We'll finish up the chapter. Now, when Athaliah heard the noise and escorts in the temple, she came to the people in the temple of the Lord. And when she looked, there was the king standing by the pillar according to the custom of the leaders, and the trumpeters were by the king. All the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. So Athaliah tore her clothes and cried out, Treason! Treason! Then Jehoiada, the priest, commanded the captains of the hundreds and the officers of the army and said to them, Take her outside under guard and slay with the sword whoever follows her. For the priest had said, Do not let her be killed in the house of the Lord. So they seized her, and they went out by way of horses' entrance into the king's house, and there she was killed. Then Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord, the king, and the people that they should be the Lord's people and also between the king and the people. And all the people of the land went to the temple of Baal and tore it down. They thoroughly broke in pieces its altars and images and killed Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars. And then the priest appointed officers over the house of the Lord. Then he took the captains of hundreds of bodyguards and escorts and all the people of the land and they brought the king down from the house of the Lord and went by the gate of the gate of the escorts of the king's house and then he sat on the throne of the kings so all the people of the land rejoiced and the city was quiet for they had slain Athaliah and with the sword in the king's house Josiah was seven years old when he became king wow so basically Athaliah finds out that a coup has occurred <laughs> and she's been disposed of she's no longer queen mum she goes into the tendal and she sees everything. And I think it's really ironic that she yells treason. The treason one is yelling treason. I, I, I think that's really ironic. But the priest 
Jehoiada had great concern for the sanctity of the temple. And he wouldn't allow the woman to be killed in the temple. He knew she had to die. I like that. Interesting that after she was killed, there came sort of a spiritual revival. A spiritual revival happened in the land, and and the king who was raised in the temple had a strong influence because of the Lord. I mean, imagine, he was raised in the temple for six years. The influence of the Lord was highly upon him. And in conjunction with Jehoiada, the proclamation that the people were going to really turn back and they were going to begin worshiping the Lord, they make a covenant. They make a pact. And I love the pact that they made. It was between the Lord, the king, and the people. I really like that. They made a pact between the Lord, the king, and the people. They recommitted themselves to honor and obey and serve God and honor and obey and serve each other. What a great pact. That's koinonia of fellowship, friends. That's koinonia of fellowship when you have that pact where you serve one another. You know, Paul says, worry about everybody else's interest and your interests is too. You know, don't be too haughty. Don't be conceited. You know, all those things that we hear. It's really cool. They made this pact. They tear down the temple of Baal. There was a temple of Baal in Jerusalem. There was a temple there. And in 2 Kings 10, Jehu destroyed the temple in Samaria, remember? But here the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed, but the people destroyed it. They took ownership and they destroyed it. This shows true heart. Let's get rid of it. Let's get it out of here. Six dark years were over. And now the rightful king of Judah once again ruled over his grateful people. And as we come into chapter 12, we see the name Jehoash, which is the same guy. The names now have been expanded for some reason. It's a variant of the name, but they're the same person. Let's read 1 to 3. In the seventh year of Jehu, Jehoash became king, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibiah of Beersheba. Jehoiash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days in which Jehoiada, the priest, instructed him. But the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. Verse 2 kind of implies that as long as Jehoiada was alive and counseling the young king, everything was rosy and cool. The king was following him. But once Jehoiada died, then everything goes crazy. In fact, if we read 2 Chronicles 24, 15 to 23, which I was going to, but we don't have to now, it tells us that when Jehoiada, when Jehoiada died, Joash or Jehoash turned to idolatry. He turned to idolatry that fast. And unfortunately, when he did that, judgment followed. And he will be judged. The one thing that sticks out for me in verse is verse 3. I'm following the Lord. I want to follow the Lord, but I'm only going to follow him halfway. Joash or Jehoash did not take down the high places where people sacrificed and burnt incense. This was directly against God's law. Where was the sacrifice supposed to take place? Where was the incense supposed to be burned? The temple. In the temple. No other place. No other place. Don't you remember Jesus and the woman at the well? Your people say we're supposed to worship in Jerusalem, but we worship up on that mountain up there. Remember, she was from Samaria, the high place, the mountain. All this was supposed to take in the temple of Jerusalem. And when they did this, this was against the law of God. It indicates that Jehoash implemented a halfway reformation, if you will. 
He didn't totally reform Israel's worship. He didn't, he, he didn't do the more difficult task. He did all the easy things. You know, and sometimes, you know, sometimes we make a half-stitch effort when serve the Lord. When it's real easy, oh, we're serving him with gladness because this is pretty easy. But when it gets real hard, uh, we kind of drag our feet and we don't serve him with such gusto and such fun as we used to because it's a little harder now. We make a halfway effort. We don't do a whole thing. I think that's crazy. We do the easy stuff, but we won't do the hard things when we're called to do hard things. And we're all guilty of it. No one of us can escape that. That's the human of us. We need a Lord. We need a Savior. So Jehoiast begins a strong to call repair for the temple. Look at 5. Then Jehoiast said to the priest, All the money of the dedicated gifts are brought into the house of the Lord. Each man's census money, each man's assessment money, and all the money that is man's purposes in his heart to bring to the house of the Lord. Let the priests take it themselves, each from his constituency, and let them repair the damages to the temple wherever any dilapidation is found. The money of dedicated gifts... There was regular income coming into the temple. It came in many ways. The census money. Remember in Exodus 20, each man had to provide a shekel. Each man had to provide a shekel every year over 20. Every year they had to pay a shekel. That was called the census tax or the census tribute that went to the temple. There was assessment money. They had property tax. They had property tax that they had to pay according to Leviticus 27 too. And then they had tithes and offerings which came from their heart. Whatever they wanted to give to the Lord, their tithes and offerings. And and that's where tithes and offerings should come. Tithes and offerings should come from your heart. It should be between you and the Lord. I don't care what you give, but you should give because that's biblical. We should give us unto the Lord. If you have a lot, give a lot. If you don't have a lot, don't give a lot. Whatever the Lord shows you to give, you should give. This 10% is a great model And it's Old Testament model. Why do I say that? Because the Lord wants it all. The Lord wants more. The Lord wants as much. But you got to get before the Lord. you got to sit before the Lord and say, how can I serve? How can I give back? What do you need? And the Lord will show you what to give. The Lord will show you what to give. And I guarantee you, you can't outgive the Lord. You cannot outgive the Lord. If you're not giving... You're probably struggling somehow, in your, maybe in your financial thing, because you think, oh, I can't give any money to the Lord. I don't have enough to go around. Well, that's not biblical. That's not biblical. You really need to seek the Lord for this, and you need to give what the Lord shows you and, and try to give. It's very, very important. And I don't say that. How many, this is probably the first time you ever heard me talk about money, simply because it's here. When it's in Scripture, we talk about it. It's here. So you need to get before the Lord and find out what he wants you to give. But this is what he's talking about. These three things coming into the temple, and Jehoiashev told the priest, take the money and repair the temple. Everything was going good. The reform policies were were moving along. But the priest failed to do the job. Look at verse 6. Now, it was so by the 23rd year of the king Jehoash that the priest had not repaired the damages to the temple. (laughs) They didn't do what they were supposed to do. You are assured. We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to and even share with your friends and family. Just look under the Messages tab. 
You can listen to additional teachings from this series in 2 Kings or jump to another book of the Bible. A Sure Hope is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cape May. If you're not already connected to a church family, we'd love for you to join us this weekend. We meet weekly, Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. We'd be happy to get to know you and hear about your story. Find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. Look on our website for directions as well as the various ministries that we offer. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we'd love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. As this edition comes to a close, we want you to know we're grateful you're a part of our listening audience. Make sure to join us again next time for more from 2 Kings, where Pastor Dave will pick up where he left off. We look forward to that time with you again as you continue to learn and grow here on A Sure Hope. Oh